I'm Chad Reed. I'm Hillary Langer. I'm Gil Jenkins. And this is Climate Positive. We know that our fans care deeply about sustainability. And we know that they want to learn more about these issues, right? Like eight years ago when we started our PFAS journey, no one knew what PFAS were. And in this recent study, detoxification of footwear was in the top three sustainability issues that fans cared about. This week, we're excited to guide you into the world of sustainable footwear with Kirsten Blackburn, director of The Keen Effect. You might already recognize Keen as the brand behind those iconic, ugly sandals, but their story goes much deeper. During our conversation, we dive into the heart of Keen's mission, exploring how their efforts drive conscious consumer choices and promote climate action within the shoemaking industry. Kirsten shared numerous passionate and practical insights during our interview, particularly as it relates to sustainability from a consumer products lens. So without further ado, here's an episode that I hope will inform and inspire you just a little bit this summer when you're walking around outdoors. Kirsten, welcome to Climate Positive. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you on. I think full disclosure at the top, I should tell you that I'm a keen brand enthusiast. Amazing. I think it started perhaps in my mid-30s when I entered dad mode. <laughs> and I had some uncles who uh, had those iconic keen Newports, the ugly sandals, I think you call them yep. lovingly. And today I have an, a pair of Olive H2 Newports, you know, camel, kind of cool looking. Yep. And my son has the tie-dye. So we love Key and I thought, figure I'd just get that out of the way. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Have you seen the mono ones? The all, the one, you know, the single color? No, I'm going to yeah. check them out after we get off. Yeah, it kind of moves from like dad to normcore. It's, it's pretty nice. <laughs> okay, I yeah. aspire to that. Yeah. So... <laughs> I think it's fair to say that many of our listeners are familiar with Keen footwear, but I think it's also fair to say that less are probably familiar with the Keen effect, which is what you lead as a director of the brand's social impact division. Could you sort of break down the mission of the Keen effect and the work you and your team do? Yeah, totally. So Keen is a 20-year-old family-owned and run values-led company, and we quite literally have been doing you know, the right things and doing things differently since we were founded. And the Keen effect is really sort of our results of our values in action. So we measure the Keen effect around three key pillars, protecting the planet. You know, we're working to leave the world better than we found it. And, and to us, that means investing in climate solutions, reducing our footprint, protecting key resources critical to a healthy planet. The second focus area of the Keen effect is promoting togetherness. Keen believes in building a community of innovators and scientists and actionists to solve complex problems and do good together. And we envision, you know, a place or a future where the outdoors is for everyone. And then lastly, our product bucket is consciously creating. So there are hundreds of decisions that go into making a pair of Keens, and, and we really feel like each one is an opportunity to sort of rethink how we do it and to reduce our impact. So rethinking how shoes are designed, manufactured, distributed, and owned. So the Keen Effect is our values in action, and we're sort of measuring impact around people, planet, and product. Nice. And so your history with Keen, so you really, as I understand, formalized the team back in 2014, and then you just came back a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Almost to the day, right? So tell us about that journey, past and present at Keen, and you know, maybe highlight a few of the initiatives or campaigns you're most proud of. 
Yeah, totally. And then we're going to dig into some of those later, but just what comes to mind first? Yeah, so our team was sort of formally established in 2014 or around there. But before that, there were sort of dedicated individuals working on our corporate philanthropy program and our detox initiative. But we really came together in 2014 when we did when we decided that, you know, this is a core value of the brand and we need some dedicated resources to it. So there was a team of four at the time. Right about then, we were and still are pinnacle members of the Conservation Alliance, and we were attending one of their DC fly-ins and hearing from the Obama administration that, you know, there was a hunger to protect wild places and and the administration, you know, could really benefit from having more of the general public aware of the benefits of public lands. And we sort of took that home as a call to action and we launched what still is one of my proudest sort of moments at Keene, and that was the Live Monumental campaign. Basically, we crisscrossed the country in a 1967 or 76, I can never remember, broken down old Eleganza camper van that we painted yellow. And we, you know, we advocated for five national monuments and we spent over a year, we had breaks, we did go home and see our family, but over a year, you know, rallying fans and working with nonprofits on the ground and just celebrating these places. We put together a short documentary film about it. We had a reception at just outside the White House with hundreds of political officials. And it's where Keen really cut its teeth in consumer advocacy. And you mentioned I left and came back. I actually left. I was so in, sort of inspired by the power of business and the power of using you know business's voice to affect change that I went to help the Conservation Alliance create and build out an advocacy program. I was their director of advocacy for four years and then I had twins at the beginning of the pandemic. And you mentioned you have a son. Kids change your whole life and your perspective. So I took a year off to be with them. And then the pull of Keen is just too strong. And I just really feel like Keen's moment is now. And we just turned 20. We're figuring out who we want to be when we grow up. And we have so much potential to do the right thing and to encourage other brands and fans to join us. So yeah, that's my short story in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, let's dig in a bit on just footwear as a category and the impact it has on the environment. Could you sort of talk, and you alluded to it with the third pillar, how does industry sort of contribute on the issue here? And what are the ways that Keen and other brands are focused on, you know, through the product life cycle and overall carbon footprint, minimizing that impact? What do you think about when you get asked that? Yeah, I mean, I think first sort of understanding the size and scope of of the footwear industry. So there's different sort of data, but, you know, I think there's a consensus that the footwear industry produces about 22 billion pairs of shoes annually, which is a ton, right? And Keen is a very small portion of that total number. We're closer to 12, 14 million. But we really feel like we have an opportunity to do things differently and to think about what our contributions to that 22 billion pairs means and is, right? So, you know, it's it's hard to sort of quantify the entire industry's climate impact, but one study from 2018 suggested that it's, you know, 1.5% of global emissions comes from the footwear industry. Whether that's true or whether it's a tenth of that or four times that, you know, we still really believe that brands are responsible for their own impact. And we actually ran a quantitative study. 
study, I guess it's still last month in May, of 600 current and prospective keen fans to understand sort of their perspective on whose responsibility it was to act on climate. And the overwhelming majority said that brands are the main actors when it comes to climate action, even ahead of governments and institutions and individuals. So that just solidified the fact that, you know, us as brands who make things, you know, should take ownership of what our impact is. So there's a there's a variety of different ways that brands and Keen are thinking about what our impact is and how we might address it, right? You know, shipping raw materials and components all over the world is tough and it contributes to emissions. And, and the industry sort of writ large is generally a very global supply chain. And Keen is making a conscious effort to source, we call it local for local whenever possible, meaning, you know, we'll source footwear components in the manufacturing country. I should mention too that Keen, you know, our Keen owns 30 to 40% of our manufacturing facilities. And so we sort of have an opportunity to do things differently there. You know, I think another thing that the industry is thinking about and that Keen is certainly thinking about is designing for sustainability, right? You know, footwear, as opposed to apparel, has to service like a very specific physical function first. And sort of a lot of the components in footwear are very intentional and there are a ton of them, you know, like rubber for grip and EVA for comfort and leather for durability. So, you know, sometimes all of these components can be at odds with sustainability objectives, but are still necessary for the function of footwear. So we just need to sort of find a balance, a balance between all of these things. And when we need to use high emissive materials like leather, you know, let's make sure that we're using, which Keen does, environmentally preferred leather. You know, we stopped sourcing leather from Brazil because it was too hard for us to prove with certainty that, you know, the leather that was coming out of Brazil wasn't contributing to deforestation of the Amazon biome. So that was an important move for us. We weren't sourcing a ton of leather from Brazil to begin with, but we still made the choice because it was the right thing to do. And then, you know, once we have our leather, we make sure that we only tan at Leather Working Group certified tanneries because these are, you know, certified tanneries that are committed to measuring and taking action to mitigate environmental impacts from, you know, water to chemical use. And then, you know, thinking circular. So but we, you know, at Keen, we know and believe that durability is sustainability. So how can we make footwear that lasts? You mentioned your kiddo has a pair of Newports. I always have at least two Newports at my house with twins. And <laughs> you can just keep passing those things on. That's right. So you can put them in the dishwasher too. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think it needs a quick run right. considering his outdoor activities. I'm going to transition. to We're going to get in the weeds a bit. Sweet. Because you're talking materials and inputs. I've read a lot about your work to eliminate, and I hope I pronounce this right, polyfluorochile substances from footwear, PFAS, I prefer that, right? These forever chemicals, which are more commonly known. Can you talk about this journey, as I understand it, going back to 2014, where you discovered this was in your shoes and in your work, I don't know how many years now, to eliminate it. Just tell us about the journey and, and the work that you're continuing to do there to help others achieve this milestone of eliminating awful forever chemicals from the product manufacturing. Yeah, thanks for mentioning it. Our sort of commitment and success in eliminating PFAS is something that we're really proud of and that we're 
earnestly and honestly trying to, you know, help other brands do as well. So you mentioned 2014. In 2014, we found out that PFOS or these forever chemicals were sort of all over our footwear. And, you know, we sort of got keen to the idea of PFOS from durable water repellencies or DWR. And they're most commonly used in DWR components or materials because they repel water and dirt, right? Like that's the purpose of that function. And so we found that we were using PFOS DWR solutions. And then when we sort of dug into it a bit deeper, we found that, you know, PFOS was literally in hundreds of components from like eyelets to shoelaces, just because it had become and sort of is still prevalently just what folks put on products, because everyone thinks that every aspect of every shoe or every product should repel water and dirt. So we connected with organizations like the Green Science Policy Institute and Greenpeace to sort of understand what PFAS were and why they're a nuisance and a harm to people and planet. It scared us. And so we made a commitment to start our journey to rid our supply chain of them. And sort of the first step was, you know, conducting an in-depth audit, like I mentioned, understanding where they were. And then we followed the precautionary principle, which basically says, use what you need. We decided that we probably didn't need PFAS or DWR in water sandals, right? You're going to submerge your foot into water, your foot's going to get wet. And so not stopping the use of PFAS there eliminated 65% of the problem. And then we had to hire, you know, a chemist and he spent 10,000 hours, close to a million dollars in researching safe, effective, and affordable alternatives to PFAS. So like, what's an example of that? Yeah, there's a 3M, like an Eco 3M version that we're using. Actually, this is a good plug for our green paper. In 2020, we published a green paper, which basically is our sort of open sourced roadmap that walks through the steps we took to eliminate PFAS, shares the testing labs that we used, shares the safe, effective, affordable alternatives that we sourced, shares consultants that are still working on this issue that you can pay to help you on your journey. So we published this green paper. We just recently, a couple of months ago, published a revised version of it just because PFAS are everywhere and are all over the news now. But really the intent is to share it as far as wide as we can so other brands can, in the footwear industry or not, can sort of join us on the journey. How are other brands responding? Yeah, people are psyched. I mean, I think the beautiful thing about sustainability in this space in general is that we're all in it together, right? That's right. Like we are all living on the same planet, breathing the same air and drinking the same water. So it benefits all of us to share our resources as much as we're all allowed and possible to do. So yeah, people are congratulative. You know, people are using it. Yeah, it's great. Climate Positive is produced by Hassi, a leading climate investment firm that actively partners with clients to deploy real assets that facilitate the energy transition. To learn more, please visit Hassi.com. I want to come back to something you said, alluded to with the ways that Keen engages with consumers to inspire them around sustainability. You know, you mentioned the sort of grassroots tour in 2014, and I think a recent survey. But how do you think about the best practices for engaging in consumer-led sustainability marketing in 2023? Like, what's working? Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? Greenwashing is kind of a scary thing. I think for Keen, it's always been about 
transparency and honesty in some instances, you know, not sharing things until we're ready to, until we know that we've we've done the testing and, and we can with confidence make a claim. But, you know, I think what we know, again, from that study you mentioned and I referenced earlier, we know that our fans care deeply about sustainability. And we know that they want to learn more about these issues, right? Like eight years ago when we started our PFOS journey, no one knew what PFOS were. And in this recent study, detoxification of footwear was in the top three sustainability issues that fans cared about. So we feel like we sort of have a duty to educate them about the harmful effects of, you know, PFOS and other chemicals that are all in the supply chain. But you got to make it fun too. You, totally. It's a lifestyle, right? You can't <laughs> yeah. education, but engagement. Yeah, yeah. And I guess building off of that, you've alluded to this a few times, but I was reading your impact report and, you know, normally companies have their value statements and they're, you know, talk about, it, it can be trite often, right? Mm-hmm. And I was struck by the simplicity, the elegance, the authenticity of how you describe these sort of five markers of values and culture. And I'll read them off and maybe you can build on them. Number one is live together. Number two, be original in everything. I love that. Number three, make original goods that last. Number four, do the right thing. Number five, create with conscience. How do you personally or your team, like how does that come to life in the company? Because those are good words to live by. I'm just, when you think about that, what, what comes to mind? Yeah, I kind of get goosebumps when someone else reads them. They are powerful and they are really meaningful. And I think one of the superpowers that Keen has is its people. And so those are really meaningful to Keeners or Keen mates. And, you know, we have various policies that sort of allow us to live, live into our values. One is every full-time Keen employee has 40 hours of volunteer leave. So, you know, annually you can go for a week of backcountry trail work, or you can do what I do and volunteer in my kiddos outdoor school and you get paid for it. And it's awesome. And it creates a meaning that is really powerful. So that's one way. Another way is, you know, we sort of find ways to put application behind the values. So consciously create or do the right thing is a value. We have a consciously creative framework by which we build products. We totally you know, focus on harvest materials, sourcing ethically, detoxing our supply chain and making to keep. So we sort of, you know, create frameworks to ensure that throughout our day-to-day work, we are living into the values. I just pulled in on that bit. You've had a lot of experience leading ESG, brand sustainability, strategy. I'm curious, what's it like to sort of grapple with how do you maintain that purpose and impact when you're in a fast-growing business and you're scaling globally? I'm sure that's probably something that is a persistent challenge, but like, how's that going? And what have you found works across cultures and borders and keeping that purpose? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just said it when you listed off our values. I think the fact that these values are what hold Keen together create a North Star, right? So even when we're, you know, scaling and growing, we have a North Star to consciously create and to do good together. And it sort of helps us make the decision when sustainable materials are more expensive, right? But we are going to choose them because it's the right thing to do and because it's the brand that we've built. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh (laughs) So 
I read your LinkedIn profile description <laughs> and uh, I was struck, you know, people just like company, you know, executive X with this many years experience. You wrote very simply, quote, I'm at home rallying business leaders to influence change and inspiring individuals to believe in a shared vision. I thrive bringing values to life for profit and nonprofit environments. Could you expand on that sentiment a bit? How did you arrive at that? Yeah, I mean, I think at its core, we're better together. And that I really believe that businesses have the power to affect change. And I saw it, as I mentioned earlier, in Live Monumental, Keynes fan-facing advocacy campaign. I saw it at the Conservation Alliance, you know, rallying 270 businesses to care about wild places. And I'm seeing it again firsthand at Keene. Like we have the ability to lead with values and we know that purpose and profit are not mutually exclusive. So I, I think that that's just what keeps me going and gets me excited to continue to do this work. And the beauty of it all is every single person within the organization is inspired and motivated by that higher purpose. So it's just continuing to do it. I totally agree with you. And I wonder if someone, you know, who's watching the news too, seeing, I don't exactly want to overstate this backlash, but there's been some, you know, attacks against purpose and impact and brands taking stands. Like, do you think this is temporal? I mean, what's your thoughts? I, we don't have to call any specifics. And it's certainly deeply depressing and unfortunate, I'm sure, to you to see some of these attacks on retailers. They're just trying to do the right thing. But how are you thinking about that again in 2023? Yeah, it's a moment in time. It will pass. I mean, if you look at the younger consumer, Gen Z, this is what they are making decisions around. Right? They're voting with their dollar. They will only work for and with purpose-led companies. So I think it's a moment in time and it'll pass. And, you know, we just need to believe in the future generation. Well said. So at the top, you talked about how Keen is 20 years old now. I'm going to ask you to sort of put your crystal ball on. Looking ahead, what are some of the future sustainability goals and aspirations for Keen? And maybe talk about the next few years or if you really want to go for it, like <laughs> what's going on in 20 years? Yeah. Holy cow. What is going on in 20 years? So I just said keen. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Who would have thought a pandemic would have happened a few years ago? Well, as shoemakers, you know, we know the most meaningful thing we can do is reduce the impact of how we make shoes. So we're going to lean into that. And we are going to chase some to be determined and announced climate ambitions. So I think in 20 years, we will have reached our climate ambitions. We will be making unapologetically comfortable, durable, and sustainable footwear. And we will be doing so without the use of harmful chemicals. And I think 20 years into the future, maybe say 10, we'll be 30. I think we will have inspired a footwear industry to do the same. Excellent. Let's turn to our hot seat. This is our sort of lightning round. Oh boy. Yeah, there's no wrong answer. Just first <laughs> thing that comes to mind. The first few questions are fill in the blank. So the most important advice I have followed is? Purpose and profit aren't mutually exclusive. Hmm. The most important advice or feedback I have rejected is? That's not in the budget. <laughs> the word or <laughs> phrase I most overuse is? Oh man, I should ask the team, but probably let's double click into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, circle back or double click. Yeah. 
Thank you for your honesty on the corporate jargon. Or in my household, because I am often mitigating the craziness of twins. What's your plan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have a sustainability hero? Yeah. Kirk Richardson. He's a friend, a former colleague. He worked in the footwear industry for three decades at Nike, had various roles at Keen, including president. And he, you know, came back to Keen to help us solidify the Keen Effect team because he believes so strongly in business's role in changing the world. Cool. What advice do you give young people who want to work in sustainability? There's a lot of them. Uh, Maybe three things. First, thank you. Second, vote at all levels of government. Vote with your dollar as well. And keep going. You know, you are more powerful than you realize. How do you connect with the restorative power of nature personally? I'm lucky to live in Missoula, Montana. So I have accessible public lands everywhere. So trail running, mountain biking, gardening, camping, we do it all. All that Missoula offers. All of it, yep. Okay, I'm going to throw you off with this one. I was watching the Keen Effect video and I noticed and loved the reference quote from Jerry Garcia when he was talking about preservation of the world's rainforest. His quote was, someone has to do something. It's just incredibly pathetic. It has to be us. And you're sort of alluding to that in the the mission statement. I also see that you have a limited edition sandal with Jerry's artwork. 1% of the proceeds donated to the Wilderness Society. So after that long windup, my question is, if you work at Keen, do you have to pretend to like the dead? Is that like a requirement? It's definitely not a requirement, but it's a bonus. Okay. There's definitely some deadheads that are walking definitely. the halls. Okay. Yeah. I think you might be if you have a pair of new ports. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a little too much twingy twang. It's yeah. just not for me. I don't know. I love the whole ethos. It's just not for me, but yeah. I had to tease you a bit. Appreciate your honesty. Okay. This is overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated. And since you live in Montana, I think I have to ask this, Yellowstone, America's number one cable drama, overrated, underrated. I can't answer that. It's too close to home. You have to answer, overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. Appropriately, appropriately rated. (laughs) Okay, floating the river. Underrated. Why? More people should do it. Agreed. More Montana bison, just... Underrated. Yeah, they're majestic. Slow and steady. Here, I have a bison tattoo. You can't see it, but I have a a small, tiny bison tattoo on my arm. Awesome. And they're everywhere in Montana. People don't don't realize that, right? Still. Fly fishing. You didn't list that off. Underrated. Yeah, it's hard though. Oh, requires patience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm from Portland, Oregon. We have some pretty good craft beer. Your keen is headquartered in Portland. Who has better craft beer? Montana or Portland? Missoula specifically. Better than Portland, which has more. I think so. Yeah. Wow. We, we have some really great, really great spots here. Wow. Okay. House. All right. To wrap it up in its tradition, we asked one last signature fill in the blank question. Finish the sentence. To me, climate positive means. Showing up for the future. Love it. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us. Really fun to talk to you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. That was a blast. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. It really helps us reach more listeners. You can also let us know what you thought via Twitter at ClimatePosiPod or email us at ClimatePositive at Hassey.com. I'm Gil Jenkins, and this is Climate Positive.